Welcome to the Adamantium Podcast, episode number 177. I am your host, Adam R. Harrison, and thank you so much for tuning in today, bringing you another wicked interview as we wind down our summer episodes. And today we are joined by the extremely talented, multi-genre, Grammy-nominated artist, Kay Flay, who first and foremost is uh, an unbelievable talent. I've been a fan for years, but she's also got a story to tell this year because she has really been through it in the last year. She woke up one morning and suddenly couldn't hear out of her right ear. She found out she has a rare condition called Sudden Sensorial Hearing Loss and Labyrinthitis, SSNHL for short. And yeah, she all of a sudden lost all of her hearing out of her right ear, which, as you can imagine for a musician, for anybody, is one of the worst things that could happen. But instead of letting this defeat her and destroy her career, she's back within a year with a brand new album. She's on tour. She's as badass as ever. I really... Uh, enjoyed the conversation I got to have with Kay Flay. We met up at the Horseshoe Tavern here in Toronto. She was doing a radio special there, and she'll be releasing her new album in September. It's called Mono, which is a nod to what she's been through in the last year. And she's also just released her third single from that album. It's called Irish Goodbye, which features Vic Fuentes of the band Pierce the Veil, who you might have heard on the podcast just a few episodes ago. So some excellent stuff for you to check out there. Plus, we're also going to do the Adamantium Recommend segment, which is the part of the intro where I throw out five song recommendations by the artist. You can also hear a selection of these recommendations on the Adamantium Recommends playlist, which is on Apple Music. So here are five songs by Kayflay that I recommend. So I usually like to start this with something new. So from her new album, Mono, I'm going to recommend the first single from the album. It's called Raw Raw. Then going back to the year 2020, I'm going to recommend a song she did for the Birds of Prey soundtrack, and the song was called Bad Memory. Then also in 2020, I'm going to recommend a single she released. Uh, It was a collaboration with Ex-Ambassadors and Grandson. It was a song called Zen. It's possibly my favorite song of all of theirs. And then from her 2017 album Everywhere is Somewhere, I'm going to recommend two songs. The first is a song called Blood in the Cut, and the second song is called High Enough. And that's it. So uh, feel free to check out those songs. Don't forget to check out the Adamantium Recommends playlist on Apple Music. And of course, check out K-Flay's latest album, Mono, that comes out in September. If you're a fan of K-Flay who is tuning into the Adamantium podcast for the very first time today, I want to say a very special thank you for choosing to listen to us today. You have most definitely heard all those song recommendations before, so thank you for being patient, or you probably hit that 20-second skip button. Nevertheless, you're here, and thank you for that. If you enjoyed today's episode, please do hit that subscribe button on whichever podcast network you choose to get your podcasts. We've got plenty more episodes upcoming with amazing talent. We have also have a huge catalog now uh, of artists who have been on this podcast over the last six years. You can also follow the Adamantium podcast on social media. We're on Instagram at the Adamantium, on Facebook at the Adamantium podcast, and we're on Twitter slash X uh, at Adam R. Harrison. But you can find us just by searching the Adamantium podcast. And that is all for now. So let's introduce you to Kay Flay. Uh, I can't wait. So here she is right here on episode 177 of the Adamantium podcast. Have a fantastic week, everybody, and have a fun and safe Labor Day long weekend. God bless, and we hope that you will tune in again 
for our next episode that is coming soon. Thank you. All right, so we're here with Kay Flay. Thank you again for your time. Oh, I love your shoes too, by the way. Those Thank you. Those are sick. If you um, notice, they're sandals. Yeah. Oh, yes. Okay. See, that really changes it. My feet get really cold. Yeah. Which is like historically why I don't love sandals. Right. But then when I was like, oh, I could just wear socks with sandals. Yeah. It changed Apparently my whole life. that's cool again. Changed my whole life. Yeah. There you go. And from far enough, it kind of just looks like you're wearing boots. I know. Yeah. Good. Good. Uh, good strategy. Thank you very much. <laughs> you know, I actually thought that. You were Canadian. <gasps> yeah. The greatest compliment I could Yeah, okay. Well, that's good. I thought you were Canadian because, one, you get a lot of play here. Mm-hmm. And, two, like, you seem to work with a lot of Canadian artists. Mm-hmm. Arkells, you're just off tour with Grandson. Yeah. For the longest time, I assumed you were Canadian. So that was a bit of a, a shock to me when I found out. I was, but... a, I was secretly American. Uh, no, not that it's, that's a bad thing or anything. I was just like, oh, I thought she was from here. No, so. I, I love that. I feel... I get actually... Um, I, I had a, a an encounter with an individual near my, my house in Los okay. Angeles. And I was just walking down the street, minding my own business. Um, this dude, I, I think, was, was like, you know, either dealing with mental illness or he was kind of high or something. But he passed me. And he was like, he was like, he's like, white bitch, go back to Canada. And I was like, well, even that guy thinks I'm Canadian. Yeah. A lot of people... Did he know who you were? No, 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 no. So I wonder what it was that made you look Canadian. I have I have a BCE, Big Canadian Energy. Okay. I, I like that, actually. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's because... Well, I'm, I'm Midwestern. I grew up yeah. in Chicago, so, like, that's not that yeah. far. I feel like there's a, a similarity of... It's just as cold there. Affect, <laughs> yeah. weather, um, and, and I feel like there's a, there's a temperament. Yeah. That is quintessentially Canadian, yeah. of course, not emblematic of everyone. That I feel like perhaps I evoke. Okay. Who knows? Well, if you ever want, if you're, you're I'm trying to become a citizen. Yeah, there you, you know go. What I mean? there I'm you like, go. when is when am I going to get already, an invite? You're touring with one of my favorite dudes, which is Grandson. Yes. He uh, what an awesome dude. Yes. So I imagine that was a really fun tour. Very fun. Yeah. You know, um, Jordan and I met, uh, man, five years ago or something like mm-hmm. that, and became friends and you know so often you go on tour and mm-hmm. then make friends while yeah. you're on tour right like by the end of it you're your buds um this was this was like the reverse situation of w- our, our friendship is so established at home yeah that getting on the road felt like this really beautiful yeah and natural it's like going like planning it already with a friend uh, yeah it was so it was so nice and planning a road trip yeah, and it's rare, like, you know, I obviously have a lot of friends who make music, but it's not it's not often that our record cycles line up and yeah. our style of music lines up. So it was a very it felt very kismet to be able to do that with, with a great friend and we we had some really great shows. I was sad I couldn't do the Canadian dates with him, but mm. Yeah, which is which is ironic actually. I know. <laughs> I know. But he uh he actually we actually went to the same high school. Oh really? Yeah, but he we worked it out. I think he was there just after I graduated. I think okay. he was one year, like, I graduated and he was in grade nine. Got it. Like, when I was in my first year of university. Got it. Yeah. So, but he, like, we had all the same, it was weird. We had all the same teachers and stuff. And That's was, crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Wild. But anyways, let's talk about, uh, you have this a, a 
big couple months coming up, you mm-hmm. have mm-hmm. Uh, a very important album coming out. Yep. Um, it's called Mono. It comes out in September. Um, and this album, I mean, I'm going to let you tell, it, uh, tell us about it. Um, you know, something happened to you last year mm-hmm. that was very significant. Uh, and so however much you want to talk about it, let's talk about it. But yeah. maybe tell... because. I was shocked to hear about it. I read it in, in Shelby's email. Yeah. And I was shocked because I saw you last year with the Arkells and in Hamilton. Yeah. And uh, I was like, it couldn't have happened much around then. Like, you you know, so um, maybe let your, your fans, your listeners know what's, you know, what's been going on and, and then, you know, what led to making this album. Yeah, absolutely. So not long after that show in Hamilton, so that was in June, um, I was actually getting ready to climb Mount Kilimanjaro then. I, I did Kilimanjaro. Around, it, last year? No, last, the, it'll be two years in September. Oh my God. Yeah. Okay. So I guess we're about a year apart, but I, I was yeah. just prepping to do that last August. Did it. I got back home and woke up one morning. This is unrelated to the climb, mm-hmm. but woke up and had no hearing in my right ear. Also really crazy ringing and noise in my ear and this really, really uh, bizarre and all-encompassing vertigo. So I was really mm. sick. Went to the hospital, did the whole thing, saw all these specialists. And well, long story short, I have something called sudden sensory neural hearing loss, which mm-hmm. is a long way of saying you stop hearing for right. no reason. And they, so, they like, don't so know did why. You, did you just like wake up one morning? And yes. You're like, it's gone. I can't hear yeah. That's, so it was, and it had nothing to do with the altitude, anything like that. Because I imagine you could get vertigo from that. But, yeah, yeah, it had nothing to do with that. Yeah, um, just, just coincidentally. So bizarre. Um, so, so yeah. So essentially, you know, I think there was the initial phase. Phase one was mm-hmm. just figuring out what was happening and if mm-hmm. there um, were any interventions that might mitigate or improve some of mm-hmm. it. Um, I did all of those things. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, nothing, nothing worked or made a mm-hmm. difference. So once that period was over and, and I'm sort of, okay, I'm in this new reality, right? Of like, I can't hear, I have crazy. And I still, to, to this day, I have crazy constant, um, tinnitus in this ear. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's a, it's a really strange reality, sensory reality of both nothing and yeah. something. Right. So is there, is there like. Do you get like a pain or anything or no pain? No pain, just just psychic pain. Yes, yeah, of course. I <laughs> yeah, imagine. Yeah. Like, a, um, like although speci- like low, you know, I I feel like I joked with my manager that like I, I was at a point in my life, you know, I quit drinking three mm-hmm. something years before that. I was 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 deep in my my Buddhist readings and very much in a mindset of like pain and discomfort are natural. Mm-hmm. It's a part of life. Right. And I was I was kind of in that in that mental space, right? And had been for for some time, so it it helped. But me. what a shitty pain for a musician to get! Totally. It's like a carpenter losing a hand. Yes, you know, like yeah. <laughs> no, it's it's a pain in the ass. Of and course. So I think once once I was through that initial period, and I was just doing physical therapy. Yeah. To so get... I was gonna say, did you have like exercises now to mm-hmm. on how? Okay, so. So what was the next, like, at what point, I imagine there's probably a period you're like, well, what the heck do I do? And then, like, 
at what point did you realize I'm not going to let this get the better of me? Like I'm still going to do what I love. Yeah. So I was, I was in physical therapy for my balance. There's a whole branch. Uh, right. Of course. Yeah. Of physical therapy. Never even therapy, thought about that. Yeah. Um, for people who have hearing loss, which is right. insane. Um, so I was working really, really hard to get my mobility back mm. and get my driving back and independence and mm. all that. And I, I had written, before this happened, I had written the um, the original song for this film that actually just came out called Nimona. Yes, I saw that. And that movie. isn't it a beautiful it film? It is a beautiful film. Um, it is a beautiful film. And I saw that and I was like, oh, that's really cool. And I remembered the song after I saw it. Yeah, that. it was, uh, so I had, I had worked on that and Seth, my manager, I hadn't listened to any music since, since the hearing loss. And then my manager um, called me and was like, hey. You have to, like, either you're not going to listen to the mix and it's going to get approved without mm-hmm. you listening, or you need to listen if you want to make comments. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was obviously being very sensitive in how he said that, but so I was like, well, I guess I got to listen to some music. And so yeah. I, you know, put my put my phone in mono and uh, listened. And it was, you know, it was such a beautiful way to re-enter mm-hmm. my relationship as a listener of music. Yeah. And I was like, man, I really like that song actually. And was able to, I sort of broke, I broke through that barrier yeah, psychologically. Really, yeah. And after that, I started getting, I started feeling, um, like a, like a churning energy and urgency. Mm-hmm to to start writing and making music and actually the first song that i wrote is the first track on the record it's called are you serious it's the first thing i did after mm-hmm. after the hearing loss got in the studio and really in in a utterly unexpected way the the hearing loss it it reaffirmed for me i think what i love about music why mm-hmm. i love music the, I guess, almost visceral need mm. to express. Well, there's a healing element to music. We all, like, yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. And it's, you know, I've been obviously talking about the record, and at times I'm like, I know it's a little bit cliche, but, like, music mm-hmm. kind of healed me. Heals your soul. Like, it's, uh, yeah. And and so I think, you know, this record is my fifth studio record, but in a lot of ways it feels mm. like a debut in mm. the sense that, like, it's a new era. It's yeah. a new era. I'm coming mm-hmm. at it with a new, yeah. totally new perspective. And I'm also kind of like, you know, when you're making a first record mm-hmm. and, and you talk to people about their first record, they're just like, I just had to get it out. I just had right. to do it. Right. That's how you felt about this one? I mean, you know, all this happened last fall. Right. And already the record's right. coming We're out not even a this year. fall. Yeah. So like... I kind of put this mm-hmm. thing together in like hyperspeed. So then tell me, cause I think I read that some of the album had already been started. Mm-hmm. How did you feel about like, I guess, you know, you probably came at the album with a new kind of tone or theme. So how did you feel about the songs you had already written? Well, I, I think it gave me a lens to view okay. those, those demos and think about, okay, thematically. Yeah. Cause you know, the record's called Mono. It's a nod, a little bit of a wink to yeah. to the hearing loss, of course, of course. But really, the the journey of the record, mm-hmm. which you don't need to have gone half deaf to relate to, right? Is is the journey of how do you how does an individual 
reach some sort of mm-hmm. peace inside oneself. Right. Which is kind of the ultimate mm-hmm. journey. Right. <laughs> you know, we're, we're stuck in this, in this thing. And um, it's something I think at different periods of my life I've thrashed against or struggled with mm-hmm. is just a fundamental aloneness, mm-hmm. right? That I, that I feel even in a room full of people. Yeah. And so that's a journey of the record. And then of, of course the, the contours of that journey were really um, put into sharp relief by, right. by the hearing loss. And so I was able to, I think, identify songs that fit within that. And then also mm-hmm. understand where do I now, where do I need to go and mm-hmm. where do I want to go? Were there any songs where you're like, now I don't want this one for this record, but maybe we'll shelf that for another time. Yeah. Okay. For sure. For yeah. sure. I mean, I probably, this, this record has 15 songs. There's probably like 40 songs. That you had written. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, there's yeah. a lot on the cutting room floor. The amazing thing too, for your, your fans is, you know, music is always subjective too. So people can, you know, maybe they haven't lost their hearing, but can relate to it. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, the song Raw Raw mm-hmm. is about vulnerability and, you know, we can all relate to that on some level. Mm-hmm. Um, and so actually tell me about that song specifically. That was the first single that mm-hmm. came out. Why was that song so important to put out first to represent this album? Well, I think, you know, this, the primacy of vulnerability, mm-hmm. I, I would argue, is the the foundation of the record. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I think, I think the bravest things we can usually do in life mm-hmm. are involve some form of extreme of vulnerability. Yeah, yeah. And that song just, just had a really cool, like sonically, I felt like it encapsulated elements of this new record that were important for me to showcase right off the bat. Like mm-hmm. this is what I conceive of as a modern rock mm-hmm. record is my understanding of what that means. Um, I think it is, there is tempo to this record. You know, one of the things I love about that song is just the breakbeat and the rhythm. And right. Like, yeah. there, there's a propulsion and an energy to that mm-hmm. song. There's also a heaviness. Mm-hmm. And this is, I think, sonically the heaviest record I've put out. Mm. Also has moments of, of lightness and, yeah. and humor as well. But so I think sonically it was important. And then thematically, yeah, just just this idea that Mm-hmm. What I'm what I'm seeking to do here is think about honesty and vulnerability mm-hmm. yeah. um, in a real way, and being vulnerable is is often mm-hmm. a painful and uncomfortable experience. There's a great like visual like you can you can feel it. There's a line in the song that compares vulnerability to a chainsaw buzzing mm-hmm. at your throat. And it's like, I thought that was like, that's such a perfect way to describe it. Cause like we've all, we've been there and I like, yeah, it's a great way to, to kind of word that feeling. And well, I like, I like the juxtaposition of, of sort of this like violent imagery yeah, right. with something we keep inside and, yeah, and think of as like soft. Yeah. You know, I think vulnerability is like this kind of female coded mm-hmm. gentle trait, mm-hmm. which, which I think is an, a total misunderstanding of of what it is mm-hmm. number one it's it's universal to to all genders but um it's it's not it's not gentle mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> it, it's raw you know yeah, it, it hurts it hurts like it, whether it goes well or not like all sometimes sometimes it goes mm-hmm. well and it always there's always that feeling yeah yeah um 
your next single, you've got a single coming out this week, mm-hmm. um, which is really exciting. Um, and I haven't heard it yet because it's not, I haven't got a chance to hear it yet, but awesome. I'm excited about it. It's called Irish Goodbye. Mm-hmm. Um, and it features Vic Fuentes from Pierce the Veil, which is super cool. Yeah. So I actually, they were just on this podcast not too long ago. Oh, so I just met Vic myself. Okay. Yeah. So tell me about how you guys got connected and how this song kind of came to be. We got connected in 2019 mm-hmm. originally. I was on tour and Vic uh, just hit us up about coming to a show. He was working. Cool. Yeah. He was recording music in Seattle. I think, you know, we had some mutual friends at that time, but we, we hadn't met. Mm-hmm. And we spent a little time just hanging out backstage. And I think, at least for me, there was a an immediate understanding that like, okay, Vic is like, Vic and I are mm-hmm. cut from a similar cloth. You're right. In that, you know, we are pretty grounded, mm-hmm. um, really love music, uh, and just, yeah, just kindred spirits in a lot of mm-hmm. ways. And so we, we stayed in, shut, in touch, and um, he was always supporting, you know, really supported the my last record that I put out, and he was sending me demos and stuff for, mm. for this new record as they were putting it together for Jaws okay. of Life. And, yeah. Um, yeah. And then I, I was, I had written Irish Goodbye, a version of it and it was heavy. I was screaming on it mm-hmm. and <laughs> I was like, you know, I feel like I should ask Vic mm. to, to work so on this idea. with me. For, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, he didn't know the song, a uh, version of it existed or the right. idea. And so I sent him what I had and was just like, here's the vision for it. They were they were on tour at the time. Mm-hmm. And it, again, the timing just kind of worked out. He was at home before his, his kid was about to be born, mm-hmm. spending time there. And I just went down to San Diego. Jaime tracked all the vocals mm-hmm. with us. And it was, you know, it was, just it, words, it's, it's just easy. Yeah, I yeah. think like one of the things I've been talking about just like vis-a-vis this, this particular collaboration as the same with Jordan with grandson, like mm-hmm. it, it's it, when, when there's a, a chemistry, when there's chemistry and yeah. when, when you're on the same page interpersonally, yeah, yeah. it's just, it's easy mm-hmm. and it's fun. And so like, you know, Vic obviously tracked all his stuff, laid down some really, really sick guitar stuff that just like, then of course takes the song to a, to right. a new place. And mm-hmm. that's when I really started seeing the vision for how the song can live. Gotcha. So tell us about the idea of the song, an Irish by being leaving without saying goodbye <laughs> in case <laughs> someone didn't have, you know, which is actually really, really ironic. The first time I only, I guess I heard that for the first time a few years back, but I come from a really big Irish family uh-huh. and never once has anyone in our family ever done an Irish goodbye. It's almost the exact opposite. It takes an hour to say goodbye because there's so many of us. Wow. And so I was like, I was like, that's so ironic because yeah, you, uh, yeah, it's not my experience with an Irish family. Yeah. Um, well, I do think it has its roots in extreme drunkenness. Maybe. Yes, so uh, hopefully yes. that means no one in your family is extremely drunk all the time. But, um, it, the, <laughs> the idea for the song, actually the first verse is based on a, an actual dead-on experience I had, mm-hmm. okay, where I was with somebody at a show that I was that I was dating, and I just kind of realized I was like, I need to just leave. I need to just. This person is like, not in a, a good place. Okay, and I was like, I basically said, "Hey, I'm going to the bathroom," 
And I just left. Mm. I just walked out of the venue. I actually felt like I was like the incredible Hulk. You know what I mean? Like it was so, it was so empowering and I wasn't trying to be mean. I was just like, this is walking away from this situation. This is not for me. There's nothing to say. I just got to get out. Yeah. And there was such a sense again of like self esteem, Mm -hmm. confidence, personal power, strength that that's a part of that. And so the song evolve from there and then the the second verse is about you know a a relationship that again has elements Mm -hmm. of you know sort of toxicity and i guess probably codependence or whatever and the idea of like you can actually just go Mm -hmm. yeah there's nothing actually physically keeping you here yeah i think i think so often in particularly romantic relationships, there's a feeling Mm -hmm. that we, we need to stay. Mm -hmm. Um, and often in relationships that are unhealthy or, you know, Mm -hmm. if they have elements of abuse, like it can feel impossible to leave Mm -hmm. when in fact you can just, you can, you can go. And, Mm -hmm. and there's, it just feels, it's so powerful to do that. And so the the energy of the song, the heaviness of the song is, is, um, Hmm. is in that spirit. Amazing. I love it. Yeah. Um, I think the amazing thing about you too, and, and I think, I guess a, a great benefit to being a solo artist is you've gotten to collaborate with a ton of people. Mm-hmm. One of my favorites, we've already talked about a bunch of this, but one of my favorite collaborations, is the song Zen that you did yep. with grandson and ex ambassadors, um, such, um, I mean, a fun song at a time that was so terrible. Yeah. Um, and I think it was like something we, we really needed to hear at the time because we were all feeling what was said in that song. And so I wanted to pick your brain about that song and how, how the three of you all got connected and, and, and wrote that song and your verse in particular. Well, I mean, talk about a collaboration coming about organically. I was in my friend's front yard because we were all hanging out outside. I was yeah. in LA. And so I've known, I've known Sam from X ambassadors mm-hmm. for a long time. Um, I already knew Jordan. Mm-hmm. So I, we, we all knew each other. Sam FaceTimed me and was like, dude, like Jordan and I worked on this idea. I feel like it, you could, would you be down to write a verse mm-hmm. and like sing on it? And I was like, sure. Send it to me. Now, at the time, one of my best friends, she was kind of like trapped in New York, so has a house in Los Angeles. And so I was, while she was over there, I had set up a studio at her house, like in her uh, dining room kitchen, Mm. kind of in the front of the house. And then I was like going there every day to watch over the house, spend Mm. some time there, also just get out of my house because I was Mm. losing my mind. And so I drove straight over to her house. Sam had sent me the track. I wrote the verse, recorded it. And that was that. Done in 30 yeah. minutes. Like it was, and I think also, you know, <laughs> there there was such, like such confusion and such uh, cabin fever at that, at that yeah. particular moment that when, when he sent that to me, I just... I didn't even really have to think about what to say. It was it was, it was all just, just yeah. stream of consciousness. Yeah. Um, so that, you know, for me, some verses and, and some songs 
just come really quickly. Yeah. Some some evolve. Over. I think it really encapsulates the feeling of that time really well because there was other songs that there were songs that came out during the pandemic that were kind of about that time, and like a lot of them came off like really corny or whatever. And I think it was just kind of like the perfect, like. And it had the humor to it too. It was just yeah. It was such a fun song. Thank and, you. Uh, yeah, I, really... I loved working on that. And you know, again, we're all just friends and mm. trying to figure out what to do. And yeah. and I think all of us have a do have a pretty healthy sense of humor. Mm-hmm. And that was it was really nice. Especially I think we'd all been in these eras of like it was kind of heavier music we were putting out mm-hmm. or more serious stuff and it felt actually nice to just have that release of like mm-hmm. you know just yeah. like this kind of silly thing yeah so especially you know, life can be so especially at that time so serious at the time probably just, yeah it was nice at the time yeah yeah tell me a little bit about before we go tell me a little bit of, tell me a bit about your Kilimanjaro climb oh my god so you did it <laughs> August last year I did it August last okay. year about like literally how my, did you find it my friend who I climbed it with texted me uh, I don't know two days ago or something it was like lol we did Kilimanjaro like a year ago today and I was like oh my god mm-hmm. so much has changed mm-hmm. um I found it I, I'd be curious what you thought but I so I climbed it with my friend Sam and he and I were just like <laughs> we were we were in I think we were drawn to the experience because we're both interested in being uncomfortable. Right. Physically, emotionally, Mm -hmm. et cetera. And we're both in pretty good shape and could, you know, and had had trained and stuff. And the overwhelming sense I, I had as I was climbing it was just like, humans are so stupid <laughs> and humans are so wonderful. Mm-hmm. Like I had those two thoughts side by side. I was yeah. like, so here we are climbing up this fucking thing. Like as you get higher, people are getting sicker and sicker. Like mm-hmm. m- this planet is sending the message, go back down. Mm-hmm. You don't belong here. You look around, there's no grass, no birds, like nothing lives up there mm-hmm. because it does. It's not for life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's not for you. Yeah. So on the one hand, I'm like, God, the idiotic hubris of human beings. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it was so endearing to be a part of a group of humans, mm. like trying to do this silly thing, yeah. you know, and like the teamwork of getting up to the top. Yeah. And How insane are those porters that? Oh, my Lord. Like, did you, so did you guys have your own, like it was just the two of you or no, were you we, were, group? we were with yeah. a group. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I was, I think I was. Like, I had a real healthy sense of humor during. Did you did you have did you have any difficulties on the summit day getting oh, to the top? I began vomiting. Okay. Almost intractably for like twelve hours. Really, I threw up pri- previous every... to the summit. No, the summit night. The as summit I night. started. As you started, okay. Once we got to like sixty thousand, like, a lot of times they won't let you go if you're if you're sick. No, before I was the fine. Before, I'd had yeah. no problems before. Yeah, and I was like the fittest in my group. Yeah, and so, so that was I had a similar problem. I just the alt- altitude sickness, pretty much. I just kept throwing up, but yeah, but, but my Did you guy. Have a headache? Oh yeah, horrible, horrible headache. Yeah, you're right. Worst worst headache of my life throwing yeah. up. But my but my guy was like, I was totally with it, and I wasn't yeah. confused or dizzy or anything, yeah. and he was like. 
he's like, if you can bear it, yeah, then keep just, going. You're all good. Yeah, I found it up like up until the summit day, no problem. It was more like a fun vacation. Like you're going hiking totally. every day. The summit day was like it's more uh, psychologically challenging than physically. I found, mm-hmm. and yeah, so it was. Uh, you know, before you get to the sign, there's that other spot that's technically the top. You get yeah. to, it was about 20 minutes before there is when I started to feel like my so head right was at like the top. pounding. Like almost 20 minutes from the top, I was pounding. And, um, but I remember it was funny because I, I like physically, I mentally told my body, I was mm-hmm. like, cause I was like, I'm not turning, I'm obviously not turning no. back at this point. I was like, just make it to the top and then be as sick as you want after. Just be a sick, let it all out after. Just like make it to that top mm-hmm. and then be a sick. And I did. I made it to the top and then coming down, I barfed all the way down. The- yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I started throwing up like an hour into yeah. that. And I was just like, and my buddy Sam was just like, <laughs> we just kept laughing. I would throw up. I felt like total shit. Yeah. And then I would just like turn to him and just like so, laugh. Well, my going up to my, my, my wife did it. Uh-huh. Before we met. She did it okay. a couple of years earlier. Um, a year before we met. And I kept thinking about her how... So she, one, does not deal with cold very well. Mm. Like, when she gets cold, it's to her bones where she right. can't get warm again. And so when she did it, and we did it at the same time of year, same time as you. We did it in September. So she had done it in September where they had a freak storm come through when she did it. Where it rained seven days straight. Oh my god. And they had a like a crazy storm on her summit day where her water froze half an hour in. There was like icicles coming out of her nose, stuff like that. And she somehow and she's only like five two. And she somehow persevered and made it to the top. So I was like, if she can do that, yeah. I can make it on this beautiful yeah. sunny day. Yeah. And so anyways. Um, and then the other crazy story I have from there was a guy I made friends with on my trip uh-huh. who was this guy from Utah who was like a marathon, he was actually an Olympic speed skater at one point in his life. Wow. Ran mountain marathons in Utah. He was just like, anyways, was having the easiest of times doing this. He was in a different group, actually, who were actually a little bit ahead of us. So I got to one camp and one of the porters came and he's like, your buddy didn't make it. And I was like, what do you mean he didn't make it? And it's like, they had to take him down. And I was like, mate? And then I got all panicked because I was like, if he didn't make it to the top, he got pulmonary edema on the second last night where he literally, apparently these two porters literally saved his life. Fuck. They had to get him. They tried to call him a helicopter. Yeah. But there was some kind of disagreement between the helicopters came from Nigeria uh-huh. and there was some kind of disagreement between the Tanzanian and Nigerian governments where they, they couldn't get him a helicopter. So two porters hiked him down through the 12 hours through the night and took him to a hospital. And yeah. And as I, this goes to show, because this guy was like, he was like having no issues at all the whole time. He was going back and forth between groups and yeah. Well, when we started our climb, they were bringing down, a woman had just died. Mm. They were bringing down her body. I what? Was, yeah. Oh, some actually someone did on ours too, because it was someone hiking through the crater, which is like crazy mm. high altitude. Anyways, yeah. It was nuts. insane. It was not, it's it was nuts. like, but again, I was like. To Sam, I'm like, yeah. this looks like Mars up here. We need to go down. What a crazy thing. Like, you go literally through five different environments. Oh, my God. Anyways, last question. I know okay. I have to write. Last question. Yes. Back to music real quick. One thing I love about you, um, and you've said it too, is your music is uh, genre-defying. Mm-hmm. And you have, you can be considered anything from hip-hop to indie, mm-hmm. pop, rock. Uh, it's been a hot topic on this podcast, so that's why I thought I'd ask you about mm. it too. 
do you think music's like the music industry is going in a direction where we're kind of artists are no longer being pigeonholed by genre like i have to i have to create music because this is what the people who listen to me expect i think i think artists are being pigeonholed less yes okay i don't think I don't think genre is ever going to be eradicated. Mm-hmm. Like, imagine going to a bookstore and there are no categories. Right, right. Gotcha. Okay. Like, yeah. we need we need broad point, yeah. categories in order mm-hmm. to uh, sift through the information of the world. Mm-hmm. However, I do think artists are now given much more latitude mm-hmm. to move through genres. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think that has changed since the beginning of my career, yeah. you know, 10 years ago, when people really were like... That was the question. So, yeah. like, what are you? You, you have know? to be this. I also think it. I think it relates to broader trends in our um, vocabulary and understanding of identity mm-hmm. as a society. Like mm-hmm. the idea that it's pretty, like, understood and accepted in a lot of realms that like sexuality and gender can mm. exist along a spectrum. Right. right? That that idea hadn't really taken hold mm-hmm. 10 years ago in the same way. So I think, I think we as a, as a culture, as a human race, even, yeah, yeah. Our, our understanding spectrum mm-hmm. categorization versus discrete mm-hmm. categorization. I feel like it used to be a point of like an artist was like, well, I have, you know, I used to like making this music, but I can't anymore because mm-hmm. this is what my fans expect. And well, like an example I always remember was like one of my favorite singers of all time is Chris Cornell. Mm-hmm. And he put out this R&B album once that he did with Timbaland and people crapped all over it. And I remember listening to it at the time. I was like, this is good. He sounds great. Yeah. Like, you know, and it was just like, I think like people just expected him to make grunge records. And it was right. like, well, you know, I'm crap on him for trying something different. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Anyways, Kay Flake, thank you so much thank for you. joining us. I hope you have a, a wicked show here today. Thank you so it's much. kind of a cool, exclusive. I'm excited. Event, so it's yeah. gonna be fun. Yeah, cool. And we hope to see you again here soon. Yeah, hell yeah. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to the Adamantium Podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, we'd absolutely love for you to subscribe to us on whichever platform you listen to your podcasts. I'd also love to see you on social media. You can follow on Instagram at The Adamantium, on Facebook at The Adamantium Podcast, and on Twitter at Adam R. Harrison. Thank you again so much for listening.